Well, what can I say? I have never had that experience before and it was completely beautiful. A beautifully creative conversation with the musician and artist Goldie. I have to confess, I definitely was feeling nervous. I told him how nervous I was feeling and he just put me at ease. He's such a gracious, humble man, but utterly in tune to himself, opening up about the lowest moment in his life being when he turned 40 and now at the age of 57, potentially he might say he's at the happiest he's ever been, a complete change around in life. So many lessons that he's learned. We absolutely focused in on this sort of age where we feel that we're lost and invisible. And he has proper words of wisdom for us all. It's a completely inspiring conversation, full of F-bombs, thanks to Goldie. But that is him. He's the light, he's the shade. He talks about his 11 versions of himself. And I can safely say you will never forget this conversation of inspiration. Enjoy. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down Where we're going you won't need to bring your frown I'm Holly Tucker and welcome to Conversations of Inspiration. Back in 2006, I founded Not On The High Street for my kitchen table and since then I've gone on to launch Holly & Co. I'm the UK ambassador of Creative Small Businesses and I believe that having a business doing what you love is the key to a happy, fulfilled life. My dream is to help everybody start theirs. I'm here to offer advice, inspiration, wisdom and encouragement. And in my view, the best way to do this is by sharing stories. So I've reached out to my favourite small businesses, entrepreneurs and those who simply inspire me and ask them to share theirs. Here are my conversations of inspiration. Hi Goldie, it is an honour to meet you and to say that I'm looking forward to it. I've just told you I've been up since four o'clock in the morning working out how Holly Tucker is interviewing Goldie. (laughs) I am absolutely so proud to welcome you to Conversations of Inspiration. Welcome. Yes, my wife, my dear muse, if you like, said, please, please do this for me because I mean, I have this like sabbatical period every year. I kind of have to because I'm I'm very old fashioned. I'm I, I like you know I'm, I'm still pen to paper and as much as I conceptualize and make all this mad music and everything else, I'm still very I'm not the Victor Meldrew of drum and bass culture <laughs> or music for that matter. You know, it's been again with any young people or even people that feel they're late or they can't ignite. I've always found that because people ask you know people go, "Well, you've been in this music for so long." I've been in the arts forever. I mean, since I can remember. People forget, I never made a record till I was 27. Yeah. I was a very late starter. I was in New York at 17 and a half, 18, looking at trains and, and you know, on this, in this phoenix rising from the ashes with this disparity of a, a very broken New York. And so I think New York is a very early metropolis of where every city has become that now. And why you need to take a break. Well, it's why you need to take a break, but it's also the young... Listen, I, I've always had a couple of interesting things in your life when you get older is I know very little about life but I'm experiencing everything and what I mean by that is it's like saying it's like understanding the idea that all of this ex- ex- trauma and expression and everything else we do the arts to get rid of trauma and we do all these things and we mm. we feel individual because we want to be original now you know you split that into a billion seven billion people all trying to get this little place on the uh, on this internet and you know if you're sitting on a plane and you look down you think of how small the buildings are. Think about all the tiny people inside them, all connected to a little map, which is like a web, across, like a skin, a sinew across the world. And we're all trying to travel through that sinew, like mushrooms do. We're trying to travel through it. Yeah. But the thing you've got to remember, to be different is to, you know, it's listening and following your heart. It's a difficult process because you will struggle for a long time. But if you really persist and you're an example of persistence you will get there in the end because it's it it has to give you have to be able to to push and the chances of me making it were pretty slim 
I'm a very big believer in the, in the faith system, is in spirituality. And if this life was a challenge, then I came back in this one with handcuffs behind me back, padlocked to a small room with no chance of going anywhere. But, you know, you rise through those ashes through the arts and medium. And so it's very important. I'm assuming you take a break to sort of reignite all of that. But let me introduce you to everyone and everyone knows who you are. But (laughs) an entrepreneur, an artistic spirit, a musician, a producer, an artist, an actor, TV star, a hot yoga addict. You're a pioneer in lots of areas. And you're speaking to me today from your home in Thailand in Phuket. And I'm... (laughs) Thinking you're, we were just talking about the fact I've just put on thermals to interview you and you've turned down your aircon. Tell me about the last 13 years, Uh, this move. What was the move all about? Well, it's just a dream. I mean, it's a dream being here. We literally, we're blessed every day. You know, I've lost a lot of people this last three years. I think a lot of people have lost lots of people. My father passed in December and that was a a lot, that was a long process. But But the years of being here, and unplugging, so to speak, has just been really, has been more for my mental health. And because I, they're going back to the point of we do lots of things. If you're burning with this energy, you're either burning towards, beginning to burn, burning towards your hottest points, or you're burning out. But either way, you're burning. Yeah. Because that's it. You're, you're, <laughs> and, and I think if you, if you treat it as it within that aspect, it's how much of that do you want to burn? And I think all of us have this sense when we're young, we just, you know, we want to travel, want to be in these places. And I think when we first came to Thailand, uh, when I met my wife and we, you know, I met her in Shanghai, we came here for a holiday to see a, a boss and, and then she became her own boss and we just decided to build a house. She decided to design and build a house. And, and I just decided to fill it full of lots of arse and retire here, run my situation from here, uh, stuff in Singapore, the companies are there and, and I just, I just had enough, you know, and, and, and we both share, there's a, there's a lot of, um, kind of when people think about people that are living abroad and stuff and they well, why would you leave England? You know, this great British thing, trust me, I'm, I'm, I'm a really patriotic person in that respect, but I don't respect the people that have undermined the country and used your patronism as, as a, as, as, as a thing, you know, like. You know, change happens. There's people who go, well, MBEs, OBEs, what is it for? So listen, change happens from the inside. You've got to be the Trojan horse and roll inside things and change things from the inside out. And coming to Thailand was turning your life inside out mm. to, to be no one, not to be recognized, to be someone completely who no one knows. You know, they know me as Fan Tong. That's my name in the village. What does that stand for? Well, it's K-H-U-N, Kun Fan Tong. He's Mr. Goldtooth Man. <laughs> um, so that's what they know me for. But, you know, there's none of this thing where, you know, if DHL come, they'll come at the bottom of the road and the guy will see me on my mobile and he'll stop and he'll just go, there you go. It's none of this red tape protocol and yeah. all of the nonsense of, of all of the kind of the loopholes that we have to jump through. I think that the they made it very difficult in the UK. And I think it's, for me being here, I can get up. My usual week is... Yeah, go and tell me. I've been I've been looking at you in that those yoga poses. Jeez. Uh, no, but I mean that's just that's just you know. Listen, I'm I'm not a teacher. I'm a practitioner, and I've been practicing for fourteen years, fifteen years next year. I you know you teach yourself by just turning up on the mat. I had a severe severe accident doing another reality TV show that I didn't need to do. I nearly lost my leg. They were going to amputate if it would continue to be the same and the blood supply was began to stop going to the leg, which is when it becomes a problem. Uh, they had it open for like six weeks. It was a nightmare. I mean, the leg was, if I have, it's, just, it's just, it's very, very, very traumatic experience. And my friend said to me, just, you know, just try yoga. And I'm like, ah, and I did. And I got into hot yoga. I have, I have a couple of really wonderful teachers around the world. Paul Dobson is a, a wonderful teacher and friend. He's come out here, like I think it's his fourth time here this year. Him and his husband, Bertie, they come out here. And and I've just gravitated to this, you know, a normal week will be, I'll go over to Kata, it's a nice bike ride. I'll go there to hot yoga. And then I'll come back tomorrow. I will, oh, tomorrow I'll go into yoga in the morning. And then I'll climb the mountain on, on Friday morning. And then I'll swim on Saturday morning, yoga on Sunday morning. Actually, not playing out on Saturday. I've got a gig here, which is weird. I'm, I'm doing a 
crazy gig on Saturday night. But then so Monday, I'll be doing yoga, Tuesday, swim, uh, Wednesday, hike. So you just get into this whole, mm. this whole thing. And also being in the jungle, being up on the mountain, there really isn't anything better to remind you. Because you're up there on your own and you'll see stuff like whether it's snakes or scorpions or, or crazy birds. And you just, you know, because you, I went with a few people over the years that have taught me to what to look out for. And, and it's, it's fairly safe. It's, I'd say 90% safe. But you just have to be weary of landslides and stuff, especially in monsoon season. And also knowing when the snakes come, when they want to be around. Like, I took these two guys up last weekend. I hadn't seen a snake <laughs> for eight months. Freaking me out, course. by big the way. Co- Go on, Big carry black on. cobra just, a big black <laughs> cobra just swizzes by. And you know, this, this, like, I hadn't seen one for like nearly a year. And they're like, oh my God, it's all the, the diamond back on the top of the black oh. head. And I'm like, wow. I just ran straight past it. And they usually pretty much leave you alone. And there's a lake at the top, which is wonderful. And I get in. It's like a saltwater lake. It's a massive basin that used to be a mine. Wow. And I get in there and I float and meditate. And then I swim to the rock, which is in the middle. I was just to the side. I get on the rock and I meditate again and just take it all in. But, you know, you're seeing stuff living and dying in front of you. Flowers are there one week and they've gone the next. And you know, you'll see a butterfly being eaten by a lizard and something eats the lizard. And you're like, mm. it's all, it just kind of humbles you to realize that we are only here for a short time. It gives us this sense of what um, Marvel movies do. Like we can fly and we can do all this stuff. No, we can't. And I guess that's escapism. But I think the idea of stripping back and going back to nature and, and understanding that, you just don't waste your time as much. Yes. You know, I, I, every day, every single day I pray and I get up and I'm blessed and I walk around, I feel my feet on the ground and I'm, and I, and I really, and I'll go and I'll play music and I'll, I'll paint, you know, I I have to paint every day. I've got to paint. I have to, or I have to write something. I have lots of journals all scattered around and it's important to write because if you don't, you know, and we just leave it inside a computer. When you lose your computer because you break it, you don't know what's in there. Mm. You can't remember mm. half of it. Your your ego is so caught up in, I've lost my computer, I've lost my computer, I've got all this stuff in there. What's the stuff in there? Well, it's just stuff. What's the photos? Can you remember the photos? You can't remember them. <laughs> but you know they're your photos that you've lost. <laughs> but you don't remember them specifically. It's like saying on your 12th birthday at, at 10.55 in the morning, on Friday, what did you do? Because you remember it. No, you don't remember the time or the day. You just remember the moment. And the moment is when you're with somebody. Mm. The memory is about sharing and being with someone. And that's what the love is. And if you don't have that, then it becomes, becomes nothing. I always say to my daughter, the three most important things in this life or for my experience, it is only my opinion, is love, time, and memory. Mm. Those three things are really important. If you don't have the love, you know, you choose to forget. You don't have the memory. What do you have? It's like when you reminisce about an old school and you go there and it's no longer there because they, they knocked it down. They built a Tesco. It's the memories that you've got in mm. your memory that keep this burning. And if you could travel back in time, like the movies tell us we could, we can, you just go insane anyway because you wouldn't be seeing, no one would be there that you know. And you would fight to get back to what you remember and some waypoints of existence. Yeah. And that's why we have these things like religion or, or spirituality, because we exist because of this reason that we just exist. So just be and be more to the point, be present. Yeah. You know, we're always thinking about what we could have done, what we should have done, what I could have done. I'm so happy that there's a great postcard that my dear friend gave me before he passed. And he said, I've learned so much from my mistakes in my life. I'm thinking about making a few more. <laughs> so, you know, so, so, I so. Lo- I, that is, that's done. Done. There you go. It's done. Every week I hand over this part of the podcast to our brilliant partners at Dell Technologies. Dell Technologies are committed to empowering all small business owners with the tools and technology to innovate. They're also particularly committed 
to supporting female entrepreneurs, empowering them to connect, collaborate and lift one another up through a support community called Dell Women's Entrepreneur Network or DWEN for short. Launched in 2009, Dwen is a global online community designed to empower women entrepreneurs to grow their businesses through global connection, clever learning resources, and access to the kind of brilliant technology that really supports growth. Since its inception, Dwen has positively impacted over 80,000 women in business with multiple events each month, and I might even be popping into a few of them, such as their incredible annual Dwen UK Dream Tech Contest, where three female founders are given the opportunity to win up to £25,000 worth of innovative Dell technology. Dwen gives women access to funding resources as well as the chance to connect with women at all stages of their business journey for free. There's nothing to lose and everything to gain. To find out more about Dwen and how to sign up, head to dwen.com. Now, back to our conversation of inspiration. I want to take you back because we're here talking about love, time and memory. But Mm. in this podcast, I would love, if that's okay with you, to go back to the beginning and then we come full circle to where we are today. Because you were born Clifford Joseph Price, nicknamed Goldilocks because of your blonde dreadlocks (laughs) when you were little. You both got Jamaican and Scottish heritage and you grew up in Wolverhampton. You were put up for adoption at three and you were raised in children's homes by several foster families. And you've been quite open in that period of your life and your time. And we're going to take you through almost chronologically in time because I know we won't story steal. You won an award because of what you do now for children and inspiring people. But tell me about that period of time because I know you went through a huge amount. Um, I mean, so I don't want to kind of, I, I also don't like repeating myself either, but what I will say is angle it differently. There is a wonderful book called All Things Remembered, which is uh, the idea of understanding that my life has never been chronological. It was chronological, but I think I suffered so much trauma that it became lobe dysfunction, which is the idea of all of these things happen, but when did they happen? Mm. And it's only through music, right, Super Tramp, uh, logical, or logical song, what year did it come out? Because that was the year I was in the home because I got dragged away from a gramophone when a social worker left and it was I'd broken down at the foster home. So I know that that was the period or Jerry Rafferty, Baker Street or Steel Pulse or UB40 King. All my life has always been waypoints of music or something I can be with. But I just felt that I was... For all of my younger life, being abandonment is my issue. Not mm-hmm. being wanted, not being loved, and not being able to become anything. And not being cared for? Well, not being cared for, but more, I think that the abuse was the, was the darker part of it. The sexual abuse from, a, from, a, from an adopted sister was the worst because you were under constant threat. You were fostered. You know, you can believe at any time if I just say something would be the, the thing. And, and to be honest, um, as much as, I'm very open with everything like that. The reason why I'm open is that I don't go mad. There are so many people that have all this stuff trapped inside them. You just have to breathe through it, breathe and just go, you know what? I'm just going to let it out because this is so. this has happened to me. And the minute you can do that, you can begin to start to live differently. Once I'd done the Hoffman process, which I think was for me, in my opinion, one of the greatest modern approaches to trauma and experience as opposed to 12 sets being an old model. If an iPhone didn't exist 20 years ago, which it didn't, which is not that long ago. So our music's lasted, my music's lasted longer than that. It's been there longer in that respect. Yeah. Then look at the amount of attention and all of your kids and all your family, everyone's on the bus. Everyone's like this, all of the other stuff going on then that model of healing has to change with the times. Yes. It's like if you're an elect- if you're a modern electrician and you're going into 
uh, an old building that's wired up wrong and you haven't even got the manuals for this stuff, then how could you help the person to get heated up in their home? Yes. So yes. you have to look at new new models because I bet you they can give you a new phone with a new memory and a new extended thing. We can give you all of these great things in the, in the commercial world. But what we need to do is be giving ourselves different places, so the different places to heal. And the Hoffman, for me, a wonderful woman, Serena Gordon, who was working closely with Bob Hoffman, that was one, I think that was my biggest segue and my biggest process because everything else was just repeat, back, repeat, damage, repeat, damage, repeat. When did you do that? It's got to have been, it's a long time ago. It's like, wow, 50. 16 years ago, maybe. Yeah. It was just before, yeah. And everything, everything. Before everyone knew it. <laughs> before everyone knew it. Before everyone knew it. And, I, and I'm not, you know, before everyone knew it, I guess. But also, you know, it takes a lot of different things. I just felt that uploading, you know, for, for a time worked with therapists. Mm -hmm. But, you know, even when you go to a therapist, we, are to, we all turn into fantastic actors and actresses when we go see our therapist. We just take the floor and we just turn into wonderful performers. And are we really, 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 really telling the truth? <laughs> and and my, my thing is that, that once you go through this process of humility, you know, Sometimes I wake at night just before I fall to sleep and go, <gasps> I'm going I'm to pass and I, I won't be in this place. And all of this stuff mm. will be memories for my family. And I go back in my mind to past thoughts and I say, heaven is seeing it, smelling it, tasting it. Mm. I can smell these, I can smell the cake she's cooking upstairs. I can smell... The tea, I can smell this Japanese paper, the air conditioning, the, the electric from the speakers. That's heaven. Hell is not being able to remember any of it when I'm gone. Mm. We don't suffer in that respect. The, 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 the time of, of suffering is, is while we're living, and we have to get out of that suffering by being here. And as soon as we let go of that internal struggle, the turmoil, I spent years inside myself, you know, an addict, constantly, constantly. There was a three-year period where it was like, you know, a litre of vodka, three-roll hypnol and an eighth of gear. For two years, I should be dead, mm. you know. And that was when you're at the, at the top of your game and you're doing that difficult second album and he's a rock star now. All of that stuff um, paid a price. But what it does is if he doesn't kill you, <laughs> he makes you stronger. So I think that the healing process, whatever you find, you've just got to find a consistency. But what I will implore to most people is you cannot beat this. You cannot beat the written word. You can't beat writing stuff down. And I find stuff, you know, there's, there's, there's books of love letters to Mika from years. They're in trunks. There's Love Box 1, Love Box 2, all these letters. Our daughter is 11. When she gets older, and God bless us for, for quite a while, she knows about these love boxes. She knows they're love letters. She knows she'll read them one day. And these are these. This isn't like. Let me look through my father's phone. Oh shit! I haven't got the password to see what memories he had for us. That's not real. That's surface tension. Mm. I'm not about mm. surface tension. I, and I'm. A, and I think the biggest trick is to understand that that is the game, and it's a screenplay. It's not a theatre play, which is which is real. Which is if you mess up the theatre play, then oh, you're gonna have to wait to yeah. perform again next night. You know, we get to do theatre every day. We get to get up and try and say, today, I will be the best version of myself. I can possibly, oh, <laughs> damn it, I've spilled the paint all over the fucking place. Fucking bastard. <laughs> but you get to do it all again tomorrow. Today, I will be the best. You know, and, and, and I'm about that. And I'm also, one of the things that I wanted to share with you, which will be my letter to myself later on, which I will, I'm sure you'll intercede and come in. But look at it like this. I sit at a table for so long, I sat underneath that table with my hand over my ears screaming, nah, nah, shut the fucking shut up. And on the, on the top of the seats, inside, on the table, at the table, eating my food in my house was 11 different versions of me, all fucking, up. the addict screaming at the artist going, shut up, you tits. And the artist going, no, I don't, I like to paint. And then my other self, my philosophical self would say, calm down, guys. My spiritual self would say, come on, guys, let's be zen. 
then my anger self would start to have a fight. So all these different versions of myself are arguing. And now that kid no longer sits under the table. He sits at the top of the table and goes, everybody just shut the fuck up or you're going to have to leave. Brilliant. Because it's my table. And when we're looking at a table, the table may look brown to you, this wonderful oak table, but it's also a different shade from where he's sitting, which has got a different hue. So we have to be responsible and accept the different versions of ourselves. Mm. Yes, I'm an addict. I will always be one. Yes, I'm a raging lunatic. Yes, I'm a wonderful, spiritual, loving, caring person. Yes, I'm a, I'm a wonderful father. I was a terrible father. I'm a beautiful soul. I was a despicable soul. I was all of these things. Mm. If we can just be honest with ourselves and just do an exercise when you get up and go, when I'm on my way to work today, think of how many positive things I thought about. Think about the negative things I thought about. Mm. It's a pretty even fucking balance. I just adore everything about you you are a but i'll bring very, it in for you <laughs> I, very unique human tell me about then so we have childhood and we had trauma and i you, not going into it but it was bad and you came through and you were young when all of the fame started and almost in a way more trauma basically started again in different well, guises, happens, which was... Yeah, what happens is, is is that you become this other person. You become Goldie here. Yeah. And Clifford the boy goes, oh, my God, someone's going to champion me. And he gets up. And all that happens then is that little Clifford is walking with big Goldie and big Goldie's ego yeah. becomes out of fucking control and just says, shut, the, shut up, man. All right, take another picture. Cool. So we start to forget about the young girl or the young boy. And was this, sorry, was this about when you were about 18, wasn't it? Oh, God, was it no. About... This, was, this was when I was like... Well, 18, you left the care system, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, 18, I left the care system. And I was, I, was, I was in New York. I'd experienced New York. You must forgive me because, because for me, what happens in my life is all of this stuff is so, there's so much yeah. of it. Um, yeah, I, was in New York for I know. A while. I came back to Wolverhampton. I went back to New York. I came to London. I didn't want to go back with my tail between my legs. I stayed in London. I knocked on Gus's door as a cameraman on the on the documentary bombing. And I stayed there and I said, I just want to stay for a few weeks. I was there for like 12 years. And I stayed in Camden, Dorney Tower, looking over London, thinking, I want to be, I want to be running around and fighting with seeing the city. And I I was broke. I used to, I never had a job. I'd hustle, I'd sell we, I'd do this and that. I'd, I'd be selling T-shirts, I'd be printing T-shirts up north and running them down to London. And I'd be selling them outside the Oxford Arms in, in Camden. You know, I I started making music because I was, Nelly Hooper was down there. He'd moved from Bristol, soul to soul, were blowing up. So all these crazy experiences, I learned to hustle very at a very young age. I mean, I'm at the, I'm of the era where I would go to a phone box I would wrap sellotape around, uh, you know, around a, a, a 10 pence piece to put it, to make it look a 50 and bang it into the phone box. So I've got 50 pence as opposed to 10. You know, we, you know, we hustled so yeah. hard. And and then when, you know, then things started happening, I was, I was going overground and underground. I was going out to like crazy clubs in London, crazy underground clubs and started looking at other producers. Nelly Hooper was my, 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 my guy. He was here last week, in fact. And, you know, I was just inspired by people that had an ear that could understand and see music uh, as opposed to hearing music. And then, I, you know, I, I was back in America. I came back. But I just, I set up. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, from, from this age, I was, I was 27 and on the brink of a record deal, which I did. And, and just made it completely, you know, it's still there, the old gold disc on the wall. Yeah, you know, I'm I, looking I at a, them. A, a very, a, a, you know, a crazy. Look at that. Crazy you know, groundbreaking album. You know, I think the yeah. the Mobos, I've just saw something the other day, the Mobos are back or they know where they went. But, you know, at, at a time when it won best album, best artist, yeah. it was up against Destiny's Child, George Michael, Jamaraquai, timeless, very different. But it won everything because at that time, there was everything was changing. The science, the technology, mm -hmm. social climate was changing. And it was really the only thing that ever happened, jungle, drum and bass music. See, it is the only thing, A, since punk, which is completely UK, not, nothing else. It wasn't influenced by any other music at all around the world. Mm. And if you look at punk in the way that the punk went global, that went launched off and punk only lasted two years. 
People forget that. It's a two-year period. Did it? Punk, 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 had, punk had come in and was gone two years later. But the influence. So what does it show you? What yeah. does it tell you? Culturally, because punk was tied to social and what the fuck were Thatcher's doing, what's it, this minor strikes, all of this. Then mm -hmm. you had Scar mm -hmm. on the back of it with rude boys, with white guys and black guys hanging out together. People, certain people did not want that. Divide and conquer. You know, so the idea of all of that stuff, I, I, I learned really early on that art and music lives in culture. And there is nothing wrong with not having any coming from a great background and doing what you do. And great. I wish I had that life, but I don't. I never had that life. So you yeah. go to the like you you play with the hand that you're dealt. Now, you know, selling weed wasn't selling crack, but you know, I could have been a ruthless drug dealer in Miami, but I was making girl teeth instead. You know, it's <laughs> like, you know, I've always said that do you do you gravitate yeah. to the mother? Because for me, the mother is is the arts or do you gravitate to the father that's the road the street the hustle the drugs the rock you know all of that so so again it's another example of yin and yang yeah if you come from a place where you don't have family and you know i i spent years not, not seeing my mother and when i did it was like it was just so torn and then when i when i didn't meet my original father god rest his soul he died in december i i you know i went there and you know, I built a relationship with him as a doc, a really famous documentary called Saturn's Return. It's very rare, but it won every award. It's a rare documentary called Saturn's Return. At the peak of my, um, a peak of my career, peak of my addiction, peak of my music. It's a documentary about me taking my mother and father and asking them, why did it all go wrong? Well, even doing that was me lamblasting parents because I had the power then. But you see, when you get power, you have to have responsibility. And it wasn't the right thing to, to question why this woman had fell out with my father. Why couldn't you make it work? It's always these bitter kids trying to work out mm -hmm. that these, these adults are, are grown, are, are, are kids too, and they're, they're working it out. So the idea of all of my life, you know, all this stuff blowing up, when the, this character came to save the day, the superhero got, yeah, hey, really, he, he kind of did for a while and then went, I don't want this anymore. Yeah. Because, you know, I made Mother at a time when they, everyone wanted to hear Timeless 2, and I just made a 60-minute record and went to the record company. That's fucking the art. Because some boy inside of me is telling me, make Mother. And I had Madonna on the phone saying, come away, I really want to make it an album. I love Timeless. It was so amazing. Because she fell out with Nelly, and this was before she met Willie Morbitt, and I went, no thanks, Madge. I'm all right, I'm making Mother, because it was more important to me. You know, some people would, make, would, would say that's a mistake, but I don't have any mistakes because everything you do is for a reason. And and so what, what I'm getting, the point I'm getting to is that you start to realize that even when you do these things, you, you're being pulled back. You're gravitating towards wanting to lament and heal all these, these wounds because, you know, I'm in a 60 minute track called Mother. And I, I always remember there's a famous book called Kill Your Friends. And it was by a guy called John Niven. It's a hilarious book. And it's about the guy that was working at London Records at the time, which I didn't realize became a really famous author. And the book was about me, Pete Tong, and the meltdown, uh, and, and the All Saints. It was the meltdown of London Records. But you, obviously everything was fictionalized. And I played DJ Rage, this beady-eyed, crazy lunatic who ends up in a wheelchair. And I always felt, I phoned John Niven because I'd read the book and I was quietly prompted by British Airways to be quiet on the flight because I was laughing so hard. Can you please keep it down, Mr. Price? Because I'm <laughs> laughing because this guy, this guy kept me alive and rolled me out on stage at the end. And I phoned John. I got off the plane, I phoned Pete. And I said, Pete, please give me John's number. He goes, you're not going to have a go at him. I said, mate, it's the best thing I've ever read. And I phoned John. I said, John, I've got to say, the book's amazing. Why did you keep me in a wheelchair? He said, I wanted to put the knife into the very bitter end. You know, because I always gave him shit because I walked past his office with my pit bull terrier. I bounced in the office with my ego and my entourage. I just didn't give a fuck back then. But the point I'm making is that all of these condensed stories, all of it comes from the trauma and all of it comes from the love. Mm -hmm. So if you ask me to have a definitive timeline, you know, at that point, it was like, you mm. know, it was superstars and dating models and Bjork and Naomi and all these characters. <laughs> and in the end, I thought, I just don't want any of this. And then and then it was like, you know, you marry a stripper, you marry your mother, you know, someone that's not going to love you the way you want to be loved. And you're going to be abandoned. 
all over again. Mm. And then I got into the Hoffman. And then I, I did the Hoffman, biggest divorce rate in the universe. And I went, I don't want to do this anymore. It wasn't right. And it wasn't. And uh, did that and was in the in the mist for a while, like a gorilla. And then I, my career just went, come to a grand grinding halt because I was just imploding on drugs and alcohol and rock and roll. And I didn't want to do anything. I was torn. Then I started doing all these different TV shows and all this other bullshit. They will you out, you get paid, you go home. And then I went to Thailand and Shanghai and I met my wife. And, and the rest for me is a private history, really. Mm. Because we, the healing I've gone through and for anyone out there, when you are at the, when you feel there is nothing left, oh, there's always something. Mm. There's always something. Healing takes a while. I get some of the most wonderful messages from people that genuinely 100% say, oh my God, that, that song, you know, touched me and it saved my life. Or that passage in the book did this for me. That's kind of all you want out of it, man. You know, I remember sitting yeah. at a cheese counter in Waitrose, because I'm at Waitrose when I was in London, you know, <laughs> sitting in Tring, <laughs> Hertfordshire. And this woman, woman came over and she went, Goody. And I thought, oh, I've, got, I've got to park my car, I've got to move my car. She went, oh, that piece on Gorecki you did, it's an amazing piece of music. It's wonderful. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to have a bit of Stilton myself, love. I guess it's just what makes people happy. And if you can just do that, part of this story isn't over. It's like people want me to talk about with them what happened next. It's like, I'm not gone yet. No, I mean, you're not gone yet. Tell me about happiness. I, I interviewed someone recently, and I think you'd really like him, Mo Gordet. And he talks about a moment where he lost his son, who was um, 18 years old, um, his life. Oh. And at that moment in time, and he was a huge success at Google, and he was, you know, buying, you know, not just one Bentley, but three. And wow. it literally was all out of control. And he lost his son. And at that moment in time, he decided that um, his son, who he believes was a higher power anyway, wow. always was so wise and taught him about happiness. And he, so he's made out his life's ambition is to make one billion people happy, become friends. And he's an amazing human. And he talked about taking personal responsibility and how actually happiness is a responsibility that actually, as a baby, you are born happy and ultimately, things happen to you, but it's your responsibility to get yourself out of this. Mm. What do you think about that? I'll give I mean, you what great, would you, yeah, the middle, okay. the middle self, you know, the middle person, not your Goldie Young, the middle person. Yeah. What would they I have said to me mean. about that? I totally agree with him in that respect because I was driving in London with a Ferrari and thinking how fucking miserable I was, thinking, just don't fucking do this because it's just once you've once you've been there, it's like you've done it all. You're just like this isn't making me happy. I was I was at the most miserable point, and then I came to Thailand, and I'm seeing people collecting cardboard, and they're smiling and they're happy, and they're just collecting cardboard and they're just they're selling and they've got a little food stand, and it's just a little station and it's just a little rinky dink there and they're washing their stuff, and they're the happiest they can be, and you start to realise when you start to smell the flesh of roses or flowers degrading. It's stronger than human flesh. It's like, ah, oh, the stench. But the smell of beauty also. I think living in the cities is, I've been in so many cities and it's just, we're just numbed by them. But I agree with him that they're, you're responsible. I'm, I'm, I wake up and I'm responsible. I wake up and being responsible for my happiness. And I think it's important to, I'm not responsible for everyone else's. I can just give you an opportunity to smile. Mm. It's you know how, how mm. we interact with people. If you oh sorry, but did I catch you at the wrong time? Oh yeah, this is that's really well. You know you should try doing this. Oh the fuck are you and tell me that. Oh you know what that's a good idea. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I've realised not to push it on people too because I felt that I had a really nasty experience with twelve steps for me. You know I was there for three days. I'm like dear Eric Clapton, please give me back my eighteen grand because it's a fucking really old system and it doesn't fucking work, pal. Because you get whipped by other people that have got their own failures. And deep down, you know, you're 30 seconds late for a fucking meeting. It's like, your guy never showed up. Well, go back to your fucking room. And I'm like, go back to your room. Okay, so you do that. And then you get all these, you know, so it's what, I don't want to cross the road when I see a pub. You know, I mm. want to walk through the pub. And, oh, I DJ for a living. You know what I mean? It's like, mm, yeah. I'm, I'm surrounded by the crazies. But, you know, I'm just like, you know, I'm just like zen. You're just, you, you find your way then. So in terms of what the happiness is, 
I could sit on that mountain and I'm just, it's, it's amazing. You could just sit there and everything is playing out. And it's just, I'm not smiling. My fucking heart is, it's through my fucking chest. Mm. You know what I mean? It's really, it's just going through my chest. And, you know, I can play music at home and my hair, my gauge is my hair. My hair stands up. Mm -hmm. I'm emotionally tied to it. I felt that this is a really good answer for him. You know, I've had lots of experience where people have come into my life as angels or demons, you know, or negative sources. You know, I just spent the last seven years writing Sine Tempore. And it was like semi-autobiographical. Yes, most definitely. But is it this 11 people at the table, which is more to the point? Yeah, I think it's those 11 people. And Sine Tempore, which is Latin for without time. Uh, me and my partner here, you know, my partner, Gary Barwin, he said, look, I want you to write this screenplay because it sounds incredible. And I'd had this, I've had this idea for 30 years. I was had this idea for 30 years. I had this one page like this saying, you know, this is a story about a boy who becomes true. That was it. That was the opening line. And I'm like, well, that's going to be a bit rich because if you're going to call, if in one, if you're going to deal with a child, well, you better come through. And if you're going to call him true, then you better deliver. So I spent the next 25 years with all of these experiences writing probably the most prolific piece of work I have ever imagined, created in my life. If I was to burn every canvas, every disc, mm -hmm. every photograph, every award, everything that meant anything to me, apart from my love letters, every music composition to never erase from history, just to sit in the director's chair and say, action, I would. And if you wanted me to leave a tool or a manual mm -hmm. for a younger generation and an older generation who, who need to feel they're effeminate, this is what you need to see. It will come. I think eyes will, will be widened. But it will come because... It will come, I hope. Look, I look hope. how you're asking the universe. Yes, I'm trying. with the team at Avon and heard all the incredible history, purpose and positive impact Avon makes across the globe every single day, my immediate reaction was, more people need to know about this. So here's a question. Did you know that Avon has been supporting women to build financially independent lives since 1886? Isn't that incredible? Having pioneered direct selling over 136 years ago with its representatives selling directly to their customers, Avon is very much the original social network. The brand has a long history of creating flexible working opportunities for people to earn and learn on their own terms and in their own way with no limits or targets. Today, the one-to-one -one relationship defined by high quality and personalised service is still at the heart of Avon's business model. The brand has revolutionised relationship selling in recent years, enhancing its representatives' experience with a whole host of digital tools and training that allow its representatives and customers to connect and shop in a way that works best for them, whether that's face-to-face -face with a printed brochure, via a WhatsAppable digital brochure or online. However you choose to sell or shop Avon, they make it easy. If you'd like to learn more about Avon or doing beauty your own way by building your very own business as an Avon rep, whether that's selling online or face-to-face, -face, head over to holly.co forward slash Avon. Now back to our conversation of inspiration. When I listen to you and I'm just taking it all in and I know everyone who's listening is taking it all in and as I said to you before we started you know my what I feel of my 29,000 days on this planet and where I've only got 13 hopefully god willing 13,000 left is I want to help inspire people to do what they love and love what they do to not waste a second to live in gratitude to build business which I think is one of a you know a very soulful thing I loved that when you started this interview, you spoke about the young, which you received an MBE for your services to serving the young, inspiring them. But talk about igniting those who feel that 
the youth has passed them. You know, mm. I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm 45 years old and I'm fascinated by the 45 to 65 year old bracket where we become invisible. Mm. And yet I feel the wisdom and war scars that we have is probably the dawning of what could be. And I don't think society looks at it. Certain cultures look at it like that. But I'm here in the UK. Just tell me about your notion of igniting. I think that you have to keep the boy and child, the boy and girl in each one of us, keeping shop. Mm-hmm. I say I call it in in, in your being. Um, Forty five. You know, I mean, let's be honest about these kids. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I didn't even learn to masturbate till I was thirty. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you know, get it right, kids. Um, <laughs> what do you What do you learn? You know, you look at the, your younger self. Your younger self is not going to listen. You can shout from the asses, but trust me. You know, remember, I had to deal with this from a real experience. My son has served twenty five years in prison. He's, I speak to him. He's thirty six, thirty seven years old. I'm fifty eight. Started young. He came from the same estate. He had the opportunities and the chances to come to London, which he did. And he was pulled back by, you know, the game and the hood and all of the manly stuff. Guys, embrace your effeminate. Girls, just just tell the boys how it's done. Because you've got to understand that you don't start. I've never been, I'm dis, same as you, dis, I know your history, dyslexic. I couldn't fucking say how to spell that. Miscombobulated. What the fuck are you talking about? Miscombobulated. Do you know what I mean? But I, I become articulate through negative interviews, through people calling me one thing, saying another, and then stating it. I didn't write that. Well, you kind of said something like it. But I didn't. Well, you said it then. But So you put the two things together. Cut. Sorry, say that. Mm. Beep. Mm. Beep. Edit. <laughs> great word, though, isn't it? The British, great word. It I'm is. Sorry. You have to save it for special occasions, I think. Yeah. You know what well, I mean? I've, I've met a lot it's of when you go from right. the F to the C word. This is then pay attention. Pay attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I feel that the 45 to 60 year olds, like, I just can't, I will, I'm sorry, I cannot believe I'm 58. There's no fucking way on earth. I'm 57. Yeah, 57. 58. Yeah, 57 varieties. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, I'm hiking up that mountain and I'm taking 25 year olds up there and I'm steaming. I'm having a great old time because you've got to put the work and you've got to keep yourself, you know, in the, in the driving seat physically, uh, motivation. And I'm saying to you people, yes. Just be expressive. You know what it is? When you're on your own, man. Do you know how much I talk to myself on my own? There's no one here. Where are you getting today, Clifford? Come on. Where is he? Where are you? You know, you've got a power of manifestation strong because I've always had, the years I had so much negative, oh, what's going to happen? Oh, fuck. It's just like, it all. it's all dark and it all becomes that. And if you stay like that, it's going to continue. Mm. And you've got to get rays of light in and you've got to realise your best work, man. Come on now. Your best work doesn't happen till later on, man. Yeah. There's some of the greatest work you're ever going to do happens now. Your biggest opus is, and hopefully you're in a position where people start to pay attention. That's the other thing. Yeah. And the thing is, guys, this is, I'm not Forbes top fucking 400 or whatever. I'm a terrible businessman because I'm such a Puritan artist. I just put business people around me now because I didn't before. I just put people that I kind of... Liked. You know, I was kind of strung out and a bit like the same as me and they weren't really doing me favours. They just hangers on. Do you know what I mean? All on the freeload. And 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 that's the difference because you think about all these rock and roll stars going on stage, absolutely happy in the 70s. Going, How the fuck is he doing? How the fuck is he getting paid? Well, got a good manager. How are you talking about? <laughs> you know what I mean? And they get to go throw themselves on stage. Is he drunk? Oh, he's still fucking throwing up on himself. But look at him. He's fucking 80 and he's still running. He's still going. We have a few great <laughs> examples of that. And we have a few examples where people like died really young. Yeah. We can all get to 50 and go, right, let's count how many we lost. Mm-hmm. And how many of us have had those same similar thoughts? And how many times did we just kind of not go through with it? Well, what else can we do then? If you're in this, if you're in this place, if you're going through hell, you just got to get keep going. You just got to keep going because the burning will stop. You'll just come out of it. It will stop burning if you just keep running through it. Like like stones, like burning fire. You don't sit there and go, I'm on fire. Just fucking run through it because it will stop. It will cease. The, the thing I've learned about pain in my, in my age, and I'm going to give you a great example. I had my L4 
on an X-ray, on a proper MRI, all the way down the spine that way and all the way from the front to the back. Yeah. And you could clearly see from the front, it was round and it went closer and closer and closer and it went down and it started to go into that shape and it went out, protruding into the nerve. And at one point before I finished the summer in the UK, I couldn't fucking move. I had to put a weight belt on because I jump around on the stage like a lunatic in Manchester. I had a massive weight belt. I was like, yeah, talk as you can. College painkillers, and I don't do painkillers. I ain't done it for years because of opiates, but I had to. I was in, I was in agony, and I was like, I don't know, how I'm going to do this. I've got to go to America now and do six gigs. I flew to Miami. I put my father in the ground. I flew in on the Thursday. I put my father in the ground on the Friday. Carried the coffin with the brothers that we, you know, we all don't really speak that much to each other because I'm the bastard child. I'm the John Snow of the family, and we put him in the ground. And the minute I went back to the hotel, I sort of said goodbye to his wife, Pansy's dear widow. As soon as I got back to the hotel, the next morning, no pain, gone completely. What does that say? It means that anyone that suffers from traumatic pain through abuse or alcohol or all these things that you've done over the years, we open up this avenue, this Pandora's box, for all of our brains and our connections and meridians are tied to the heart and, and, and how we feel, the emotions and everything. And we, we lose control of them. But it's psychosomatic. Mm. And that means that that injury had been there for a while, but I just I just put the plumbing into it. Yeah. And that's the difference. So if you're suffering, so I'll, I'll end it on this, with this section. If you're feeling like you can't motivate yourself, just, just, just ask yourself this. You can stay here and be here and do the same shit you did the day before and the same shit you did today. Get up. And do something today that you've never done before. Mm. Whether it's fucking shit standing up, whether it's fucking lying out in a bus stop, whether it's going, getting up and going to the park at seven o'clock, whether it's, you know, walking your mate's dog, whatever the fuck it is, excuse my French, just go and do something different mm. and just try and do that for a week. Something different every day. And you might find that you, it, it, it triggers you. Don't wait for the 1st of January because, you know, I can go to any gym in the UK and see all these people going... <laughs> A little treadmill. <laughs> on the treadmill, twentieth of January. See, I'm not going to see them on the twentieth of January, am I? February, <laughs> March. Oh fucking! I can't wait for Christmas. You know, we are, we are, yeah. we are these creatures yeah. by default. Let's not forget who we are, guys. We shit, we piss. We've got eight points of blood. We 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 live and we die. Let's just fluff that up a little bit, right? We've got the movies and the Netflix for all that. But what about us? Where's our show? Hmm. Where's our theatre play? Why are all these other people playing me out? Why can't I be the star of my own? And if I don't want to post fucking stuff today, I haven't posted for months or a month or whatever. I'm not posting until March comes. I'll see you later. I don't need to. Get Just detach yourself from it and just say, I'm going to do something different every day because that is what the 45 to 60s need right now. I'm approaching 60 and I think I'm going to be doing yoga when I'm 60. Yeah, my mate, my mates come and stay with me, Alex. He's 60. He's fucking amazing. I mean, he's, he's into all his kung fu and it's in great shape. And I'm going to go to yoga tomorrow and kick his ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, tell me the other side of all of this is creativity. And oh, this has been from a young boy, you know, you were left in your homes and the kids would go home and you would they have the pens, pens and my pens man and you'd have the 10 minutes on the gramophone 10 minutes, and yeah, you, yeah yeah you had the the that creativity right from the beginning you had your graffiti mm. in new york then you put it into music and you spoke about your art and your music in this most beautiful way about the layers of your art it's almost like that's the layers of your music. Oh, they're the same. Is. They're one of the same. But I mean, I'm just the one same. One of the same things. They're and totally I live in a creative thing. community. I mean, I wish I actually lived in a creative community. It'd be more fun than the, uh. the home I have now. But I live and breathe creativity. It's what I'm trying to bring back mm. to everybody. I'm trying to bring back to business, to brands. I believe that we can make such a difference in people's lives if we just look at creativity in a different way. What do you see is happening with creativity on a whole? I mean, you talk about, you know, 
I think you were referring to young souls coming through in the music industry and maybe potentially not having the depth that you do. Uh, same Instagram, you know, social freaking media, all of these sorts of things. But what do you think is happening to creativity? Because in my eyes, it is being, you know, certainly from a child's age, not learning it at school, but then we go through and we start losing it as adults. Mm-hmm. I, I'd agree that that's, that's, a, that's a thing. But I also think that, well, you know, this stuff, the, the internet and social media, it's a, it's a velvet claw. The velvet mm. claw, I call it. It's the velvet claw. It's claw, but it's velvet. What is it? Ah, oh, okay. It's the velvet claw. You know, it looks really beautiful, blue velvet, but it's a claw and it'll cut, you know, it's like, you know, it's how you interact with it. You know, I've, I've got too much stuff here. I can't be bothered with it. I, to be honest, I've got people posting stuff for me and I'm, I haven't posted anything for, for a month and I'm, I'm quite happy with that, to be honest. Um, creativity, for me, is is the energy, it's the life force for me. I've been painting this morning. I'm, you know, I've got to, I've, I just have to, I, I'll get up in the night and paint, do a layer or something. Mm-hmm. You know, an average painting will take me a couple of weeks and I'll get up and I'll just go, off, I'm just going to think of that. I'm just going to go to sleep. If I fucking do that line now, I ain't going to do it tomorrow because it'll dry. <laughs> you know, it's like me gaining a line on a piece, like just doing it, laying it down right now, get the line laid down, get that paint. It's going to take me, save me 12 hours in drying time. Brilliant, because then I'll be ready for the next layer. I'm constantly thinking, I'm always like that. But doing that, I did many years ago. But when you get to an age where you run too hard, you all, it's like paintballing. If you run too far ahead, go, yeah, none of your team are behind you. And I spent the 90s doing that, going, <laughs> and it was all the enemy. I'm like, where's my backup? Because I was the only one being different. And they were like, you know, I've got, I've got my Destiny's Child, George Michael. <laughs> Fuck, what are they going to do for me? Because I'm doing this creative music. There was no other person with a baseball cap with a leather jacket in the Midlands walking around at Stanton's cake shop. Everyone thought I was an alien. So I've paid my price for being that ahead to the point where, God, if I, if I, if I would have topped myself like I was very close to in the 90s, God, I would have been such a, wasn't a hero. That's just the ego. But I haven't, even, for, even from getting to the age of four, when I was 40, I was at my most miserable life ever. And I'd done everything everything you can think of when it was rocky you know when it was you know marciano's family when it was sitting down with donatello versace or sitting there with val killer where he's going why did you miss your plane you're supposed to be at the white house you know what i mean i was supposed to be at dinner with bill clinton i just oh missed my, my plane God. you know all of the amazing the crazies all of that stuff i'm thinking to, to, that was to 40 jesus christ this last 18 years has been amazing yeah. This is where I've lived. This last 10 years has been insane. Like, album, you know, we did bloody, we did, what did we do last year? Right, we released another album. You know, we just did a whole other project. It's not, you know, we just did the entire soundtrack for the TV series. I've wrote six episodes of, yeah. you know, my wife's got a pajama company. And, but all of this doesn't come without the love. The home that Mick has created here and we've created you know, is insane. But when I look at it logically, because I'm not, well, this is a really different conversation now, but it is for the 45, 40 to 40 to 60s. Guys, seriously, man, on my 40th birthday cake, I was spending money like it was going out of fashion. I headbutted my own birthday cake at my surprise birthday because I was too hammered. I just didn't give a fuck. I wanted to kill myself. And that was 17 years ago. Mm. 17 years ago and in 17 years mm. oh my god you know i'm glad i'm thanking daily that i'm still here because this is the experience man you know mm. so keep going guys you know because you've got so much more to give because like i said i've learned so much from my mistakes mm. i'm thinking about making a few more yeah and that starts <laughs> to fade when you get to my you start to fade out and actually i'm like guys I'm going to give you an inside information. Six minute eggs, right? If you like boiled eggs. Six minute egg? Six minute eggs, right? You boil the water first. You put the eggs in for six minutes. Exactly. Take them out straight into cold water. Don't let them in, leave them in your water. Cut, yeah. the egg, cut the egg off it. Perfect egg. It took me years to make the perfect egg. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was going to have some life fucking philosophy. And I was like, because what's he going to say now? No, six minute what, eggs. What's the egg thing? Six minute That's eggs. the egg thing. Six minute eggs. Listen, I 
Thank you, Mika. This wonderful woman who this community knows, who I interviewed on my Instagram lives, who is married to this insanely wonderful, soulful human being. I She knows how I end these podcasts. I end these podcasts with um, asking if this is a roller coaster. Uh, before the letter, Goldie, before the letter. Oh, okay. If this is a roller coaster that we are on life, and I, I talk to everybody about it, you would be in that roller coaster. You would be in a Zen position, of course. But what would you say? I'm going to ask you about your greatest high and low on that roller coaster. If you had to go to the lowest point, the lowest point was divorce, losing every, losing everything, but being looking at my leg, and doctors saying you're never going to walk properly again. You'll never be able to run. And I love roller skating. I love roller skating. I can still skate, by the way. To my door, ice skating in New York. And all of those things I overcome. But that was the lowest point for me and realizing that it's so sad that, like, I've done everything possible. Like, like there's no drugs left and there's no drug dealer away because how sad I was. And there's no shops to buy more alcohol to consume myself because I wanted to fucking die. And if I could have administered something strong to put me out, I did like, you know, three, four row hypnols. Just what I had left. It was my lowest point. My highest point was just being a bit, you know, I, there's so many of them. Like seeing my daughter's face change daily or every three to two weeks, we see a, a, like a eye change is a fraction and being on top of the mountain. Being on top of the mountain and the in the air, just being with my wife on just on just the highest points, being on a date with my missus, thinking, God, Jesus Christ. Hmm. You know, it's just like just my it's my music. It's everything I listen back to stuff that I, you know, that's my highest point of record songs I've made, love led love songs or I'm I'm hmm. I'm I'm sap I'm obsessed with my missus. She's just one of my best mate. You know, and I met my 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 lowest point. I never, I, I just thought I don't trust any woman ever again. I'm done with this shit. Mm. And, and 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 there's a chapter in the book, All Things Remembered. It says the beautiful accident because I met her at my lowest point, and my leg was hanging off, and I just come off crutches, and I was doing a gig in Shanghai that was postponed. And if I would never have broken my leg, I would have never oh have met that woman. Goodness, I would never have met Mika. I would never have met Mika at that point. Because oh, the gig was cancelled because I had the accident. Yeah. And we had a dinner and we were in Shanghai and she walked into a restaurant with an old mate of mine who, who had already cancelled and come back. And and I, I was on the phone to him. I said, she's not going to make my birthday dinner. Or he's going to make this dinner for the gig. So I'm not going to make it. And I heard the heels walking on the marble floor. And I looked up and I saw Mika. And I went, hang on, Dave's fucking bird just walked in. He went, yeah, she's with me. And he put his head around the corner. And that was it. Oh, my God. These are the memories that we need, you know, for yeah. for, for, for our families. Yes. Because yeah. everything the world's based on is is scripture and book. Yeah. And the modern world so quickly and tried to deny everyone from the truth. So yeah. what does that say about the history of where we are as a planet and as a people? Surely more of us 45 to 60-year-olds need to write more, to leave yeah. damning evidence for what was happening yeah. in our lives at this moment. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. God, love you. You're pretty, pretty special. Can I ask you, Goldie, if you would do me the honour of reading your letter to your younger self? This has been a phenomenal moment for me. Ah, thank um, you. Never experienced anything like it. I don't think anyone <laughs> would have experienced anything like it. Neither, but but, thinking, that's the point. Neither have I. Because this is no, it's, this I, is, I, I'm with you. What, I am the, with you. The idea you. of that, the conversation is it's a moving river. So, you know, and that's it. But this is very short, guys. So I won't drown you out. She's got a very difficult job editing this together. But I'm sure she's going to yeah. have an astounding job. A letter <laughs> to my younger self Do not be dismayed for the words that you are reading now, for it's going to get worse before it gets better. And for all the pain that you feel and the hurt you have endured, it will only set you free. Never listening to that maddening crowd. Never listen to that maddening crowd. Never listen to that maddening crowd. You will always be true if you follow your heart. P.S. 
You'll never pack shelves in any supermarket. Your older self took care of that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just like that PS line so much. Yeah. You'll never yes. pack shelves in any supermarket. Your older self took care Your of that. Your older self took care of that. In that in yourself is the letter, and this has been Goldie. And thank you for sharing your soul with us today. Never again will I experience anything like that. Ah. And uh, thank you. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thank and you, remember, Zine Temple will be a six-part drama series. You know, Mother will be an, an opera. You know, these are the things that I manifest, and I wish you all of the best. Namaste. And remember, do something different every day, just a little thing different. See you later, alligator. If you've enjoyed this episode, if it's helped you along your journey or inspired you, would you mind rating and reviewing? Your support means the world to me. It really does spread the word and will help inspire even more people to build a life they love. And if you want to hear all our latest news, you can sign up to my weekly newsletter, Holly's Desk Notes, over at holly.co. Holly.co.